0: Across the globe, 2,800 dedicated soldiers and civilians at 23 locations in 11 time zones stand ready. This is SMDC. Welcome from the High Ground Studio at Redstone Arsenal, Alabama. I'm Ronald Bailey.
1: And I'm Michaela Mast. Thanks for downloading and listening to this month's podcast the official podcast of the SMDC Global Command. The sun never sets on SMDC.
0: We've got a great episode lined up for you for this, our very first podcast with exclusive content you won't find anywhere else.
1: Today we're talking news highlights, cool jobs, frequently asked questions from our mailbag, and upcoming events. So stay tuned.
2: What if free people could live secure
0: in the knowledge that their security did not rest upon the threat of instant U.S. retaliation to deter a Soviet attack, that we could intercept and destroy strategic ballistic missiles before they reached our own soil or that of our allies.
1: Welcome to the first edition of the High Ground Podcast. The High Ground is SMDC's monthly flagship news and information podcast. We'd also invite you to keep an eye out for our other special edition podcasts for deep dives on subjects and people of interest within the command.
0: We're gonna kick off this podcast with stories of interest published by SMDC. We publish dozens of articles, photo sets, and videos each month. We just happen to think these in particular are some of the most interesting.
1: Okay, Ron, Jason Cutshaw has written a series of articles about the SMDC targets team using zombies as targets. So are we just being mean to the undead or what?
0: Nope, not an episode of The Walking Dead. So what Jason's actually been writing about is the SMDC targets team uh, bringing older rockets back to life. So an older rocket that might be near the end of its service life and otherwise might be scrapped, they are refurbishing and repurposing those to use as target missiles for other missile systems to shoot at. And at a great reduction in cost versus buying new target missiles.
1: So not only do zombies make great targets, but they're also really cheap. You got it. Okay, Ron, it's time for our next topic.
0: Michaela, for many years, Army SMDC has provided internships and other opportunities to college and university students from a number of different disciplines. Last month, you went to the charter signing ceremony for one such program specific to STEM students, something called the, oh boy, SMDC Underserved Community Cybersecurity and Engineering Education Development, better known as SUCCEED, program. I am so glad we use acronyms in the Army. Michaela, what can you tell us about SUCCEED?
1: So, SUCCEED is a mutually beneficial program for both SMDC and the students within the program. So, the program offers internships and capstone research projects and opportunities to work with mentors within SMDC for students at Historically Black Colleges and Universities, specifically Alabama A&M University, Tuskegee University, and Alabama State University. Working through the internships and the research projects, we want to encourage students to work for government and industry partners after they graduate so that we can keep those, those students uh, local after they graduate. Succeed will engage with students to offer challenging development opportunities through cutting edge research topics, real world inspired capstone projects, and competitive internships with mentorship from SMDC subject matter experts.
0: Okay now, capstone opportunities are not paid, but internships are. So are students obligated to work for the government after they graduate because they took this paid internship?
1: Not at all, Ron. But through the internships and the capstone research, that experience will make the students desirable to be employees in the future if they chose to work for government or industry partners. Uh, It just really builds up their resume and gives them that experience they'd need. All right, I have a question I've always wanted to know about Army space soldiers. How far can you throw a hand grenade in space?
0: I think you may be confusing what actual Army space soldiers do with something you saw on Netflix. What I can tell you is Army Space Soldiers do train with hand grenades, just like any other Army unit. In fact, soldiers from SMDC's 1st Space Battalion recently spent some time at the Grenade Range at Fort Carson, Colorado, and even invited US Space Force and Air Force personnel along.
1: Wait, 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 wait. You're saying Space Force personnel are out throwing grenades with SMDC soldiers? So I get why it's important for our soldiers to be able to throw hand grenades, but why on earth would Space Force and Air Force personnel have to use them?
0: Yeah, it sounded a bit odd to me too, but our own Staff Sergeant Ronstad spent a day in the field with them at the grenade range and sent us this piece to explain why it's actually important. Let's take a listen.
2: Never thrown a hand grenade, uh, so it was quite scary because I was afraid that I was going to drop it or not keep it close to where I was supposed to and doing what they were telling me to do. So it was one of those nerve-wracking things for us, but definitely fun.
3: That's Lieutenant Ken Shea Perkins, a drone pilot with the United States Air Force stationed at Nellis Air Force Base, who for the first time threw a live hand grenade downrange at Fort Carson, Colorado. As part of a joint training exercise where soldiers from 1st Space Battalion, 1st Space Brigade, trained airmen from multiple squadrons on how to throw a hand grenade and taught them the basics of land navigation, August 27th and 28th. Major Ryan Stevenson, 1st Space Battalion Operations Officer, touched on the importance of the two-day joint training.
4: Well, if you're going to operate as a land force, whether it be a space unit, logistics unit, any type of unit, you have to be able to uh, fight in the land domain. And that's why our unit's here today, uh, because hand grenade training is part of qualifying for uh, fighting uh, with a land component, uh, and in an area where uh, the adversary is going to do anything they can to uh, push back against you. Uh, So our unit has to fight to get into the fight, and that's why we're here on the hand grenade range today.
3: He also stressed the importance of inviting the Air Force out for the training.
4: Yeah the reason we invited uh, our Space Force uh, sister and brother units here today is uh, to give them a better picture of what Army space operations uh, are, uh, what, it, what type of training is required to be part of uh, an Army land formation, and uh, really to share the opportunity with them to build shared understanding of, of uh, you know the, the requirements for operating in a combat environment. <laughs>
3: Lieutenant Colonel Brandon Davenport is the commander of the 2nd Space Warning Squadron at Buckley Air Force Base in Aurora, Colorado. Like Lieutenant Perkins, he was unfamiliar with grenades, but stressed the importance of the training and getting familiar with how the Army operates as airmen within his squadron begin to transition into the newly created U.S. Space Force.
5: My young airmen, and soon to be space professionals uh, in a, a term yet to be determined, uh, those space professionals need to understand what it's like to be out in the trenches and to be able to speak army a little bit. Uh, there is that running joke about if you want to talk joint you got to at least learn how to speak army first uh, and as the space force stands up and the delta four stands up uh, we're actually taking some of the tenants from uh, the joint force and from the army as we set up that new organization and so as we talk about having folks in the three shop for example that's not you know three and the five are not common uh, back shops in the, in the Air Force, but they're going to be common shops in the, in the Space Force. So now you have Major Drew as your S3 here, uh, or as a G3, actually. I'm not I forget myself at uh, what level he's at. Um, but he's a th- your, exe- your executive officer here. I'm going to have my own comparative executive officer out at uh, within the, my Space Force staff, and so to build relationships, to understand at the corporal level uh, and at the airman level, you know, to what it means to be a warfighter. Uh, and understand what what it is to support a terrestrial warfighter, Uh, I think today is a a key example of that. And hopefully these are relationships they can maybe carry forward in the future as they move up to the NCO ranks or et cetera. Uh, Some folks here are likely working in the Joint Tactical uh, Ground Station, arena within the 1st Space Brigade. Uh, that is a key mission area that that uh, is a, symbi- a symbiotic relationship with the 2nd Space Warning Squadron. So that's one of the things I hope to gather is understand what it's like to, f- to support the warfighter on the ground and also build relationships with a, a common par- mission partner in the mission area. <laughs>
1: All right, those were some great stories. To check out our other articles, photos, videos, and other content published by SMDC Public Affairs, be sure to check out our webpage, www.smdc.army.mil, and click on the links to our social media feeds.
0: Okay, so that's actually the bugle call for mail call. So for us, that means an opportunity to answer listeners' questions here on the podcast. Since this is our very first episode, we've selected two of the most frequently asked questions we get here at SMDC Public Affairs.
1: One of the most popular questions we get is how to become an FA-40 Space Operations Officer. So let's ask Jerry Pepin at the Army Space Personnel Development Office, or ASPDO, about that. Jerry, to begin with, what is an FA-40?
6: Yeah, so Space Operations, F-A-40s, we're a specialized grouping of officers, smaller than a you know basic branch that you'd define as a infantry or armor officers. We are commissioned officers only. Uh, we take officers at captain, major, lieutenant colonel, colonel, and even the general officers within our functional areas. So there's a wide range of uh, opportunities.
0: So Jerry, for soldiers already on
6: active duty, how do they apply? Yeah, so the method uh, they would use is the Voluntary Transfer Incentive Program, or VTIP. Um, that's our primary means of gaining officers, and it's the pretty much the only way you can get into Functional Area 40s if you're on active duty. So you are eligible after your fourth year of service. Again, we would like you to go to a basic branch for your first four years to learn those types of skills before you come over to space operations. Uh, HRC actually runs the board twice a year. They uh, they determine the requirements uh, by looking at year groups within, you know, the force. So if you're an infantry officer and you're in a year group that's kind of overmanned in the infantry, the HRC will target that manning and allow functional areas to grab it. There are other functional areas. Uh, we're one of them. There are 13 others, but, uh, you know, we look for certain things. So. What you want to do is look for the mail per message comes out 60 to 90 days before each board. It details all the requirements and has that in and out charts who you can apply to go to if, if your fu- branch will let you out and what functional areas are taking you in.
0: Thanks for that. Okay, so I understand there's also a pathway forward for ROTC and West Point cadets to become FA40s later in their
6: career. Uh, that's correct. So um, it's called Assured Functional Area Transfer, AFAD. So this is a program that um, we piloted last year for the Army and uh, back in February the Army approved us to continue the program. So if you're a, uh, a cadet that's a senior with a STEM degree at ROTC or West Point, you could qualify for the program. So what are we looking for? So each year we look take uh, 10 to 20 cadets. Uh, again, with a STEM degree, and we promise them after they go to a basic branch, because, again, we don't have lieutenants. We we only have captain positions. So we do want you to go to a basic branch, get that four years of experience, and then we promise at the end of that four years you come over to us. So in the first, uh, it's basically, for those that are familiar with the Army, it's a branch detail, but instead of going to a, a basic branch, you're going to come to a functional area. So in our first year, we uh, we put 20 cadets on uh, on contract. Uh, they are now lieutenants off at one of their basic branches, whatever they chose: uh, infantry, air defense, armor. And uh, you know we're keeping in contact with them. At the end of their four years, they will become an FA40.
0: Jerry, I also understand there's a way to bring folks into the Army and become an FA40 through a direct commissioning program.
6: Yes, uh, so that's a new authority that Congress gave to all the services. Um, most of the services have been doing, uh, you know, direct commissioning um, previously, but it was limited to direct commissioning uh, doctors, dentists, lawyers, you know, those type of uh, career fields. Now it's kind of opened up that uh, if we're missing a what the Army is calling a war-winning talent in our area of specialty, which would be F-A-40, we could uh, direct commission you. So if you're in the civil sector working for a you know, a space company, be it SpaceX, Lockheed Martin, or a smaller company, uh, if you have that talent that you think that the Army needs that you don't currently see, we could direct commission you. And We could direct commission you from Captain, Major, Lieutenant Colonel, Colonel. It's all based on uh, constructive credit, what you were doing in the civil sector, what uh, skills that you're going to bring back to the Army, uh, as well as your educational experience.
1: Army astronauts actually belong to SMDC. A question we frequently get here is, how do I interview an Army astronaut? Ron, you work a lot with that. If you are an Army organization, how can you request an appearance or an interview from an Army astronaut?
0: Too easy for Army organizations looking to interact with one of our three Army astronauts. Contact us here at SMDC Public Affairs. We have a great relationship with the astronauts themselves, but also a good relationship with NASA Public Affairs and the Astronaut Appearances Office. Because we've worked many projects with them in the past, we have a good understanding of what is possible and can help your organization craft a request that is likely to be accepted.
1: Okay, Ron, the next mailbag question comes from me. How do I submit a question to the mailbag?
0: Okay, Michaela, you can actually send an email to yourself, but for everyone else, if you'd like to submit a question to the mailbag for future episodes, you can find our email address at the SMDC webpage under the Contact Us tab. Please put mailbag in the subject line. If you also have questions about becoming an FA-40 or a request for Army astronauts like we talked about today, you can submit those to that same address. Just let us know in the subject line what you're writing to us about.
1: So moving on to our cool jobs segment, we are going to be talking about Detachment 1 of the 100th Missile Defense Brigade at Vandenberg Air Force Base. Now Ron, you're a former 100th Brigade soldier. Have you ever been out to Detachment 1 or do you know anyone from there?
0: Actually, the current and one of the former commanders at the detachment are good friends of mine. Last week, I reached out to them to talk about the very unique mission and the soldiers stationed there. Being old friends, we talked on for about a half an hour or so, but I've cut that down here for the podcast, so let's take a listen. So, Major Smith and Captain Luca, thanks for joining us this afternoon uh, to talk about your cool jobs. You guys and, and the soldiers there at Detachment 1 at Vandenberg Air Force Base, Definitely have a cool job, very special job, and I'd like to talk to you a little bit more about that. Um, um, Captain Luca, I'd like to start with you. What is the actual mission of your unit, and how do they physically accomplish that, their duties, their responsibilities?
2: The mission for Detachment 1 is to defend the United States against intercontinental ballistic missiles by conducting support operations for our higher elements at the brigade and the battalion. My soldiers, which are known as the LNOs, liaison officers, they are the human in the loop, meaning that no GBI's, ground-based interceptors, will be launched from Vandenberg without my soldiers. So they are doing an on-off switch in order to allow for the ground-based interceptors to be allocated. And being a human in the loop means that they are the last safe on our weapon system. And the GBIs that we have out here are very cool weapon system. It is about a fifty foot long missile uh, that will be launched out of the ground and it goes about fifteen thousand miles an hour up into space in order to intercept a ICBM attack. And what it's doing is that it's actually launching a kill vehicle, which is no bigger than the size of your college dorm refrigerator, and it is kinetically killing a vehicle, re-entry vehicle from an ICBM. What it is doing, it is actually hitting a bullet with a bullet, but that bullet is going 15,000 miles an hour. It is really cool, and, you know, space nerds and whatnot like myself, I love seeing all these things happen and seeing what goes into uh, making this whole missile defense shield, if you will, successful. We are the missile defense shield for America, and I'm very proud to be a part of that.
0: Okay, so now that sounds like something that probably isn't done very often, so what is it more like on a day-to-day basis when they're not working with the GSD switch enabling the ground-based interceptors?
2: You're right, yes, it's not a day-to-it's not a daily thing that we are flipping the switches, if you will. Uh, on the daily, what we're doing is we're monitoring, just like brigade and battalion are, we maintain situational awareness of things that are going on uh, worldwide when it comes to any launches or anything like that Uh, but we're constantly ready we're sitting at the station 24 7 and my guys are actually sitting out there alone so uh, it's truly one of those where you sit down and you wait for something to happen hopefully nothing happens but we are definitely prepared in the event that something does what my guys are doing while they're waiting for something to happen we are maintaining the assets out here, we work hand-in-hand with the Missile Defense Agency as well as Boeing. Boeing takes care of the maintenance activities out here, and they keep my LNO apprised of any situations going on with any of the GBI's. From there, my LNO's will contact the higher headquarters, let them know anything that's going on with any of our assets out here, whether it be GBI's, whether it be uh, IDT's, you name it. If, if there's an issue with something on the system, my guys are the ones who report that back, and we keep in touch with the Missile Defense Agency as well as Boeing to make sure that goes smoothly.
0: Okay. Uh, Major Smith, so I know uh, Captain Luca is pretty new there still, and a lot of his experience is in the kind of the post-COVID era, but uh, you spent, what is it, uh, two years or or more there, and so I was thinking maybe you could better describe kind of what daily life at the detachment is. Is there such a thing as an average day at Detachment 1?
7: Well, I think uh, Kamaluka nailed a lot of it on the head as far as, you know, the average day. Of course, every day is an average day until North Korea does something, and then they actually do have to flip those switches and protect America. So, although a small unit, very important.
2: And I'd like to just caveat on what Major Smith just said, uh, just to go into it a little bit further. Transitioning from day-to-day and enabling the GBIs is more than just getting a phone call and flipping a switch. Uh, I just can't go into all the details Of all the processes that actually go through before but the switches are definitely the smallest but they are the most important of the series of events that that make the transition possible. Really what what makes it better for my unit and my soldiers is they're training every day and they train efficiently every day they work with the brigade and the battalion. It's what my soldiers do day to day And how they train day-to-day that ensures that when that transition needs to take place all those actions are done so efficiently and effectively.
0: Okay so detachment in my brain translates to a smaller unit like a platoon size maybe or something like that. What's the actual composition of your detachment? What are some of the key positions both on the administrative side as well as the operational side?
2: So the short answer is there are seven individuals out here uh used to be more. There used to be about 14 individuals out here, but we got rid of some of the equipment. So we are back down to our original size of seven, which is comprised of the commander, myself, uh, my NCOIC slash first sergeant, which is actually uh, an E-7 or Sergeant First Class. And then we have five LNOs or liaison officers, which are right now they are E-6s or Staff Sergeants.
0: Okay, Captain Luca, we'll start with you. Living and working on an Air Force Base. There's got to be some differences, similarities to being on an Army installation. How well does the wing there, the Air Force wing, support your mission?
2: Absolutely, we are on the Heat Commander's radar. Uh, The 30th Space Wing Commander views the GMD and the MDA as his top priority here on Vandenberg Air Force Base. Luckily, we have changed uniforms so we don't stand out like a sore thumb, which is what used to happen. So now it's one of those where we walk around and uh, we get the confused looks when we see our patches. However, the thirty Space Wing Commander knows exactly what our mission is.
0: So, Major Smith, during your time, uh, you obviously had a few more soldiers than Captain Luca has. But uh, what was it like walking around the installation, going to the commissary and the shopette? You know, are your soldiers, you know, identified? Do they do they stop and ask them, you know, uh, wh- who they are and what they're doing there and that sort of thing? Curious about what the mission is?
7: Yeah, back. Back when I was there, we did not have the same uniform, so we didn't kind of blend in. Uh, we definitely got the looks like, why is the Army guy here on this Air Force Base? Um, especially if they didn't know that a mission existed. And he gave a perfect opportunity to talk about the mission and to let people know that we were there and that we had a, a vital piece in the mission, um, or on a vital mission on the base. 30th Space Marine Commander was always supportive. Um, same thing with what uh, Captain Lucas said. No issues ever with the wing, um, and they uh, take us as a vital piece of um, the mission um, or the missions on base. The one thing when I was there was aggravating was that we didn't have the same uniform at the same time, and you go to military clothing sales, and there was no army anything in there, so it was quite frustrating, but we worked it out.
0: Okay, Major Smith, uh, stay with you for a quick second. So your Army National Guard and your 100% Active Guard and Reserve. So all of your soldiers are full-time, not the traditional drilling soldiers, M-Day soldiers. And they're also both Title 32 and Title 10, depending on what they're doing. I know that's very, very unique.
7: Yes, Army National Guard. uh, and DET-1, we belong to the California Army National Guard underneath the 100 Troop Command. On Title 32 status, that's who we belong to. On Title 10 status, when we actually go on mission and go into the operational uh, facility, um, we become Title 10 soldiers and belong to NORTHCOM. The way I sum it up is that um, all that about being a soldier, that's the Title 32 side, and we still have to maintain that certifications or those, um, those things as being an Army or Army National Guard soldier. On the Title 10 status, Um, We have to maintain our tactical uh, piece or our TTP uh, tactics, techniques, and procedures of how to be um, that liaison officer in LNO. And they go through a certification every six months on the Title 10 side.
0: Perfect. Uh, Now, uh, Will, I understand uh, with National Guard soldiers, I think myself and most of the audience would recognize it. National Guard soldiers are part-time soldiers, uh, traditional soldiers, as we call them, drilling soldiers. Your soldiers aren't part-time soldiers, though, are they?
7: No. So um, regular um, National Guard soldiers are what we call M-Day, our weekenders, um, is pulling drill, which is one week in a month, two weeks out of the summer, just as the recruiter would state it to you if you were joining. Um, But some National Guard units are active or AGR, Actual Guard Reserve, where we have a mission that has to be manned 24-7 in this instance, Missile Defense. So we are National Guard soldiers, soldiers in the Army National Guard Title 32, but we are actually performing a federal mission on Title 10 status through NORTHCOM.
0: Captain Luca, what is something unique about your unit and or its mission? Is there any one, is there any other one like it at all, but the mission or the unit itself? You know, what What makes what you call your soldier's job cool, and how do you help defend the nation?
2: What's cool about our mission is how vital we are to the overall defense of the homeland, I think. And a lot of my guys see pride in that. And the fact that we're able to be in the central coast of California, it's absolutely gorgeous over here. So, yes. Their mission itself is, is something that they take pride in. However, at the same time, they also have the ability to go see some some really cool things. It's one of those where we feel really blessed.
7: I think uh, I took pride in my debt one every time we had a wing meeting, 30th Space Wing wing meeting. I was the last one to brief, and I was able to take that time to talk about our mission. The wing commander wanted to know when we flipped the switches and how his people from the security forces to anybody else that played a part in making sure that that posture change happened effectively, quickly, and as smooth as possible.
2: My guys are very professional, and they understand this mission, and they work it, and they make it run as smooth as possible every day. You know, for a matter of a few minutes, you know, the, the world revolves, on um, Vandenberg, the world revolves around my soldiers.
0: It was great catching up again with Major Smith and Captain Luca. Michaela, why don't you take us into the last segment of the podcast?
1: For our last segment, we want to share a few upcoming events with you. November is Military Family Month, something we appreciate and celebrate across SMDC. It's a time to acknowledge the sacrifices our military families make that enable our warfighters to perform their vital missions. Keep an eye out on our social media pages for some great content from Big Army and ourselves.
0: Are you ready for some Army football? U.S. Military Academy West Point Black Knights take on the Air Force Academy Falcon 7 November at 1130 Eastern. Even though my commissioning source was OCS, I'm still watching and so should you.
1: Lieutenant General Carbler, SMDC's Commanding General, is attending two virtual events next month. First, AUSA's Greater Los Angeles Chapters Space and Network Symposium on November 12th followed by the Ascend Virtual Conference, hosted by the American Institute of Aeronautics and Astronautics, November 18th. Be sure to follow our social media for more on these.
0: For those space and astronaut enthusiasts in the audience like me, NASA and SpaceX are planning to launch the first commercial crew rotation mission, that being that the crew will stay for a long duration, unlike the earlier Demo-2 astronauts. NASA's indicating that launch to be sometime in November. Not sure exactly when. Anyway, love to see astronauts launching from U.S. soil again. Hope to see an Army astronaut filling one of those seats soon. Well, that about does it for the very first SMDC podcast. Uh, remember, we publish dozens of articles, photo sets, and videos each month. And uh, Michaela, where can they find those?
1: That's www.smdc.army.mil. And click on that Contact Us tab to send us an email.
0: From the High Ground Studios at Redstone Arsenal, Alabama, I'm Ronald Bailey.
1: And I'm Michaela Mast. Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening.
0: This is SMDC.